Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market that you are enough just because you're you, right? We don't need to go out there and, and earn that and do that in any kind of performative way or I'll be enough when I can do this, when I reach that goal. It's like to be able to settle into like I am enough and valid and lovable right now. And I will bring that worth and value into whatever goals or pursuits I want to do. But it just is that foundational piece and really shifting to not judging our enoughness based on what we're doing or not doing. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to I'm Not Your Shrink, a space where we are learning to unbecome everything that isn't really us so we can live a meaningful life. We are officially kicking off season five, and I can't believe we are here. I'm thrilled and grateful to all of you. If you are new here, I'm Dr. Tracy, psychologist and couples therapist, business owner, and mom to two young kids. Whether this is your first time or you're a longtime listener, thank you for clicking play. One of our most precious commodities is time. So you giving me your time means everything. I also love hearing from you. So before you leave today's episode, please click the five stars, leave me a review, subscribe to the podcast, or share it with those you love. I am sitting in my office with one of my most respected colleagues and my friend, Dr. Megan Gallagher. Dr. Gallagher is a clinical psychologist based here in Ottawa. She also works with me here in my clinic at Integrated Wellness. For over 15 years, she has worked with adults, adolescents, couples, and families in her private practice and in hospital-based settings. Dr. Gallagher's main areas of focus are eating disorders, body image, anxiety disorders, trauma, and relationship dynamics. She's passionate about helping her clients to develop strong, healthy relationships within themselves and with others. In addition to her work with clients, Dr. Gallagher also provides wellness workshops to organizations, training and consultation in healthcare providers, and is a avid podcast contributor. Dr. Megan, thank you for coming back on the podcast with me. It is so nice to be back and that we're in the same room. I think last time we did this, we were deep in COVID, so we were each a couple walls away from each other in our own little boxes. So it's nice to actually yeah, be in the same room to have our conversation. I know it's wild. And what's really cool is that Greg and I have both changed our setup. So now you and I have our own mics. We have our own earphones. It feels very official to be doing this together. We're officially entering 2024, new season. 
new season, new you, but which kind of comes into this conversation. So new podcast gear is great, but this pressure around this time of year. So today is January 4th. People are listening to this as we are starting four days into the new year. And I know one of the things we really see a lot of around this time is this messaging around new year, new you. And when I think of kind of sayings that I hate, other than merging, forgive and forget, new year, new you makes the top of my list. It's such a difficult one. Why does it make you cringe in that way? I think it's it's another one of those things that says we're supposed to be treating ourselves as a problem to be fixed. And if we're saying new year, new you, how does that align with treating yourself the best you can and nurturing yourself? That's saying, like, I'm a problem. Throw this out. Be somebody new. Be mm. different. And I just think that that's so, so invalidating. Yeah. And to then have to cycle through that every year. Not just on January 1st, but then we think of the lead up, how many times we've seen messaging around, especially on social media, you have 90 days left of the year. That just feels like an elephant on my chest of, oh my gosh, what have I done with the year? Who am I? Where am I going? Am I even reaching my goals? There's so much pressure. It brings back that like end of semester anxiety for me. Mm. This many days left. Dun, dun, dun. You need to complete everything. And what is everything? Right. You know, it's interesting that you you connect that to school because I can remember even just feeling that sense of wrapping things up in June, like these markers from school, right? Like December, April, June, August of like, what have I done? Where have I gone? Where am I going? And it's this kind of hamster wheel that makes sense when you're in the school system and the school cycle. But then when we're actually out here living, what do we then do with that? I mean, I think that last question of like, like, where am I going, I think is an important one. But if we're saying what's what's guiding that? So what will actually serve me? What's my next step? What will be rewarding? What's my new area of growth if I want a growth area right now? And why am I choosing those things? The idea that if we if we want some spaces of change and of growth, great, but they really should be guided by my own values and my my why of really being able to say, what would this give me? Not just because, well, you know, the calendar says I'm supposed to be setting these goals or everyone else is doing this around this time. Um, or mm, it's what I've always done. And I'm not checking with myself to see, is it still working? A conversation that's come up a lot in sessions lately is around comparison to others. And I know this isn't just a client-specific issue. I know this is something that shows up in our online communities as well. Whether we're doing our goal comparisons, what are those other people reaching, or we're doing body comparisons, um, comparing family choices, or where milestones are in terms of yourself or your kids. That comparison right there is so problematic. And gets so heightened over the holidays, right? If we also think... We have this kind of magic of the holidays. And if it is magical for you and for your household, that's amazing. And enjoy it, express the gratitude and really let it sink in. For some people, that's not the case. And that idea that it's supposed to be this kind of this picture perfect thing, I think is another major stress. So we say then we're met with this kind of New Year's resolution messaging when people are maybe feeling tired, depleted, that they didn't get their cup filled up in the ways that they needed, we kind of are in some ways sitting ducks for some pretty fear-based messaging that we're, we're not okay, we're not enough, and we're supposed to be doing something different. Mm. 
I think we need to sit on that right there, this fear-based messaging around, you know, this idea, even when you say that, I can feel it in my gut. It's like this like anxiety and this nervousness of we need to change, do something different. And I just want to highlight what you just said there is that if you're depleted from December, from all of the holidays and the family events and managing those old dynamics that show up every holiday season, the last thing you want to do is to go, let's take fitness. And I'm going to take fitness specifically because Forbes Health surveyed a thousand people this year as they do every year. And 48% of those people said they were wanting to focus on fitness. So here we are. We've just ran a marathon. Our nervous systems are stressed and exhausted of managing all the things. And you're just sinking into whatever that looks like between the 26th to the 1st. And you wake up on the 1st and you're like, now I need to go run for 40 minutes. Now I need to go bench press 20 pounds each arm, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I've just increased my weights to 20 lately. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's this piece, though, of you've just ran the marathon. You've just been running from the bear. That's our nervous system responding to that. And now you have to go and do more of that. And where our body kind of almost screams back and it's like, stop it. Like, I don't have it in me. Don't do this. And mm. we go, well, I know better, right? I'm overriding all that wisdom from my body and saying, no, we sure we ran the marathon, but that was this morning. I've set this goal for myself. So I need to get on that treadmill now. And it is not respecting where we're actually at and what we need. Mm. The second last episode of last season was our on self-abandonment, which really comes back to this piece of, am I listening to myself and what I need, or am I giving it up at the service of somebody else? Mm -hmm. Whether that is family or your partner or the messaging from society. And I'm even thinking how often I was reading about the ditch goals date that is popular in January. I think it's January 17th where people are like, yeah. But we know that most people peter out around day four of a new habit. And of course, because if we're at January 1st, we've been running the marathon all December long. This is the last thing that we need. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. 
Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoc.com slash inys and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. So if this is where we're struggling with, we've labeled this, we've identified that this external pressure, the messaging to be different on this marker of the year, how do we then balance that desire of looking at what's happening for ourselves? And if we want things to be different, how do we kind of approach this time of the year? I think step one would be sort of acknowledgement and validation that around this time of year, we may be feeling a lot of pressure. If even just like you said, that comparison piece of saying, I'm noticing myself do that. Right? If I'm coming off the holidays or coming end of year and I am more depleted, so I am more prone to doing that, that in and of itself is taking a lot out of me. Mm. Right. And that in and of itself is probably telling me what I actually need is to be nurturing myself, not to be challenging myself right now. I think we miss this step of awareness. Mm. And that is one of the most important, hardest 
and key things that we need to be doing. That first step of to say like, hey, just pause of that first step of really doing nothing, right? Going internal and actually saying, how am I feeling? Where are my resources high? Where are they low? What do I need? And coming back to your question to yourself, right? Where am I wanting to go? And I think part of that reason of kind of that petering out and ditching the goal date is saying, well, fitness being a good example, I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to do these things. Okay. Well, if we actually sat down and said, okay, why? Like, why choose that? Mm, And what's important behind it? Yeah. And if you're to do that, what would that give you? One of the things I've stepped away from in terms of this January 1st culture is giving myself permission to change at any time throughout the year. Not the first of the month, not the first of the week, but asking myself, what do I need to be different tomorrow? And and it happened this week. I had intended to do a workout because I know that when I move my body, I have a better day. When I listen to music, I get movement in, I feel more connected. And I didn't. And I kind of got into that beating myself up throughout the day. And it's like, hey, you know what? You didn't today. You made this choice. We can't go back and change it. Now ask yourself tomorrow and follow through with that. Commit to yourself. So it doesn't have to be this every Monday change. And I I used to, when I was younger in my 20s, that's something I would do every Monday. Monday, Monday, I'll, you know, I'm using air quotes, eat cleaner or Monday, I'll get back to the gym instead of saying, what is it that I actually need right now? And for us, and also knowing so many of my listeners are women, this is also really important to consider because if January 1st is day one of your cycle, that is not the day of your cycle to then be pushing yourself to work out for 40 minutes. Well, and especially if a lot of folks listening are moms who may have been the ones doing a lot of the heavy lifting and emotional work to make the holidays the way they want them. You've been doing like at least two full-time jobs of parenting with the kids at home, doing all the prep, then trying to be present and, you know, host, enjoy all of these things. That's so much. And should that line up with the hormonal cycles of energy being low and it's just needing a bit more downtime, that is a really, really loaded situation to say, I'll double down and Mm. try to take on something new. Mm. It's exhausting. It is so exhausting. And it just really makes me think of the messaging for women in particular. Have you read On Our Best Behavior? No. It's a great book. Elise is on the podcast in a few weeks. And what she does is she covers the seven deadly sins. And so she dives into these emotions that we as women are not supposed to experience. And one of them being sloth. And actually how important it is to allow yourself to rest. And rest is being productive. Mm -hmm. I think we get so much, it comes from that comparison piece, but it also comes from kind of that hustle culture and something that really gets pushed on people of like, you can have it all, you can do it all. Well, if we scaled that back and say like, even if that was possible, do I want to be doing everything all at once? Does that allow me to show up in each of those areas fully or in the way that's satisfying for me? Or do I want to say like, that sounds like a lot of pressure and no thanks. I'm going to budget my time and my energy in these more kind of key places where I want to spend instead of being spread so thin across all these areas. Mm. 
So first step is awareness, just noticing. And I find when we can bring awareness to ourselves, that often relieves that pressure already. And sometimes that's all that we need is, okay, I put pressure on right here. I'm feeling that comparison trap. I'm feeling that need to push, to compare, to do. I'm bringing awareness to this. And then I think the other piece here is that you're saying is allow yourself to ask yourself, what is it that I need? Mm-hmm. And why is this important to me right now? When when my brain throws it, well, you should just, right? That here's mm. that thing. And if we're saying we're we're really having this idea of, you know, not okay, not enough pushed at us to sell us a lot of things. Because mm. we go, well, I I just want to feel better if I can fix the problem. But that's first awareness of saying, hey, stop. What is the problem? Is there even a problem? If we're saying like to your example, well, I feel better when I move my body and actually I am noticing a bit depleted because I didn't get to do those types of movement that are restorative or enjoyable for me. Okay, then the solution isn't I need to lose X number of pounds, be at the gym and doing intensive things every day. I need to say, huh, that problem here is I kind of lost myself in the shuffle of a really busy time. How can I recommit to checking in with myself regularly and putting what I need really is a priority. There was something you shared recently about uh, Brene Brown. What was it that she said? I didn't get to finish watching it. That you are enough just because you're you, right? We don't need to go out there and, and earn that and do that in any kind of performative way or I'll be enough when I can do this, when I reach that goal. It's like to be able to settle into like I am enough and valid and lovable right now. And I will bring that worth and value into whatever goals or pursuits I want to do. But it just is that foundational piece and really shifting to not judging our enoughness based on what we're doing or not doing. Mm-hmm. That removes a lot of pressure. That just a, like just peels back everything else. And it creates this space in a way, this space to then ask yourself, okay, so then what's going to be good for me right now? What is it that I need to change? And, you know, when I think about my own movement journey, movement specifically, again, I go back to this because Forbes Health, and I'll just share what I had read. 48% said they were wanting to focus on fitness. 34% said mental health. Mental health was apparently their highest goal in 2022. If we contextualize what was happening at that point, the end of 2022, we were really coming out of the pandemic and lockdowns and all of the things. So it in some ways, it makes sense that people were wanting to focus on mental health then. But it's so fascinating to see that now we're back to fitness being a priority. I, I'm sure there's lots of flaws in this research, so we're not controlling for different variables. But this one really was interesting for me because you and I see this with our clients, which is that many people struggle with work. They struggle with the area of their life where they spend the most time. 3% said they had work-related goals. They wanted to work on something about work. I thought that was so interesting, too, in the sense of how we prioritize this body piece over even the things that we experience day to day. And that, you know, fitness and mental health being one and two like that, I think it's it's really interesting because if we're saying, well, that movement, right, movement that is in alignment with what feels good for me, meeting my body where it's at right now, does have like undeniable impacts in terms of our mental health, in terms of mood boosting, stress reduction. Um, Sometimes, I mean, I see this a lot with my clients. If we're saying I'm getting into a movement that I am, I'm noticing I'm growing stronger or I'm doing something in a group where it feels really good. Um, 
can really be helpful in terms of connecting with body and improving our relationship with my body. If we're coming from a place of, I'm choosing these movements in service of my body, right? Something I'm doing with myself, not to myself. Mm. But I think where a lot of the New Year's resolution piece kind of throws fitness is into this really diet culture space, which is contrary to us having good mental health. That idea of restriction or almost punishment or needing to kind of, you know, earn your rest, earn your food. That's sick. Earn the the white sugar or whatever, right? Earn that piece of something. Even you want to go sit and watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to like close your rings. Do you? Or could you just watch the movie? And maybe some of those times, you know, what is best for our, our physical bodies, for our mental health is saying, I'm not going to go for that run. I'm going to watch a movie. What I actually do need is rest. So if we're saying it's too much or too intense or something that's coming from a mindset place of not good enough, that's going to very quickly be detrimental for our mental health. I know people who tend to appreciate perfection and control. Are you looking at me right now? I <laughs> was speaking more about myself, actually. <laughs> what can show up in that moment? And you have helped me so much indirectly. You have given me free therapy over the past four years in the clinic here. Back at you. <laughs> Just in the sense of really challenging some of those fears that I have had around what does it mean about rest? What, what, what's going to happen to my body? What will happen if I eat the thing or whatever that looks like, right? And I think so those people who appreciate control, certainty, perfectionism, we then say, well, what if we go too far? What if I'm on the couch all week? What if I'm choosing Netflix all the time? What do we say to those people? Asking for a friend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is there anything else that you've started to do that then became truly all the time, right? That from an anxiety perspective is doing some really kind of all or nothing. If I have this week where I'm choosing Netflix instead of movement, okay, if you check in with yourself, if we're saying, hey, day five, day six, my body's still saying, keep going with, and I will out myself like the kind of trashiest reality TV on any streaming service. Like, just keep going. Let's watch another season. My body's telling me this is still where we're at. And if I keep checking in, there will be a time where my body starts to say, hmm, this isn't comfortable. I'm actually feeling a bit restless. Maybe I'm not comfortable sitting here. Maybe I'm starting to feel a bit more irritated or annoyed. Or instead of watching the show, I'm flip playing on my phone at the same time. I'm not engaged in this. And that's a good marker of saying, okay, I satisfied that need. I get to just move on and do the other thing. I think we can be quick to say, what if? What if I get stuck in that loop? That's often if we say, well, I'm losing track of checking in. I'm going on autopilot. And when we kind of sink into autopilot, we can keep doing what we're doing. And this could be sitting on the couch. This could also be, and I see this all the time with my clients, I'm at the gym every day. Okay, well, why? Well, it's because it's what I do. It's the time. Is that working for you? Is that building you up or breaking you down? And if we're choosing something that's actually breaking us down and depleting us in any area of our life, that is not 
building health or wellness. It's just not. I can think back to 27-year-old Tracy who was dealing with, and you can appreciate this as well, is just the stress of the PhD program. And in such an uncertain space, the way I dealt with that was saying every X whatever days I did the back-to-back body pump and what was the other one? Body combat, back-to-back, you gotta go. And if I didn't go, it was like, oh, you better go tomorrow. And that was the sense of control. And I know there were times where, yes, of course, I would go and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go. And I would leave and feel better because, of course, working out gives you endorphins and it feels good for your body and those good chemicals in our brain. But it was probably doing more damage to me than really nurturing myself within those times. And, and I can, without a doubt, say I was not checking in with myself. I was in survival mode. I was just pushing through and saying, this is too stressful just keep going. Just do this. This is what you have control over. Yeah. And I I remember distinctly a a really similar kind of pattern for myself. It was during our registration period. And so I was working full-time at the hospital. The practice that we were both at at the time was right above the gym I was going to. Like literally if I fell through the floor, I would end up on an elliptical machine. There's no excuses. (laughs) Exactly. Right Right then that's the messaging we would say to ourselves. What's your excuse? Your bag's sitting right here. You're right above. And the other part was I think my my nervous system was so really kind of jacked up and wired that I was in that tired and wired space of thinking like I'm I'm also not sleeping very well. So part of this like rigid control was like on these days I'm going and doing this and I'm doing X number of minutes of this intensity. For me at that point, it had nothing to do with, you know, body image, anything else. It was really this rigidity and stress management piece of like, I can be in control of this. And also I'm pushing myself. I'm needing to hit that wall so I can fall asleep at night. And looking back, it's like, woof, like Mm. you needed to be doing something very different to be able to fall asleep at night and actually do that in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. We find all of these really interesting strategies to fall asleep. And someone I had spoken with recently was talking about how we as humans right now, especially with this overstimulation of our phones and devices and being in touch with people all the time, we come into bed and we almost feel this sense of discomfort because it's like you have to sit with that feeling of boredom, of not being constantly stimulated, of also being able to identify those thoughts that are showing up and saying, okay, we're not going to do this right now. Let's come into our bodies and coming into our bodies can feel very scary for people if we're not used to doing that. And when I think back to that time, that's exactly what we were doing during such a stressful time. For people who don't know, our registration period is we complete a PhD, we do a dissertation. It's a big project. More, It's called a dissertation, not a project. But within that registration year, we are being supervised. So on top of working and trying to support our families and our own income, we are doing supervisions. So we are under the supervision of other psychologists. And then on top of that, we are doing three exams. One's an oral. But that one exam in there, oh, I like my heart beats faster just bringing it up. It's interesting, right? You go very much to kind of task-based things. The other part that's in there is we have actually a major role transition and how we know ourselves, right? And it's interesting thinking back at the time, that was never something that was on my radar of like, oh, 
okay, you're coming into a new chapter, a new way of showing up and knowing yourself and being yourself. And it's it's really interesting that we let that go and go, well, here are the deliverables, here are the things mm-hmm. to do. And I think that translates, if we don't kind of get a hold of that through our adult lives and no matter what area we work or what we're doing, we can really get into, okay, here's the thing I need to get done. Here's what's expected of me. And not saying also, wow, another source of stress is that I'm evolving and I'm changing. When I'm making these choices, I'm I'm actually showing up differently. And I remember right around that time, showing up at my doctor's office with this idea of like, okay, well, here's like the antidepressant trial that I think I'm going to do and all these things and blah, 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 blah. And she goes to me, well, look what's been going on. Said, well, you know, I finished my residency. I got married. I got off with the job that I wanted. And she said, well, okay, so you've been under a lot of stress. And what came out of my mouth is what I hear so frequently from people. But it's all good stuff. It's things I wanted. I got what I wanted. So I shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm. I feel so called out right now. <laughs> well, her response was, could you put your work hat on right now? Mm. I was like, oh, burn, Elizabeth. But yeah, that's like what I needed. <laughs> right. And so then I'm thinking, gosh, like, look at all the transitions we are constantly going under. Mm-hmm. The entering into a new family, the marriage or the relationship commitment, the moving in together. All of these good things, the having a child, the new job. Even recently, right, coming out of COVID, re-engaging with the world, finding, you know, your own or your family's rhythm with people, going back to school, going back to the office, even if we're saying, okay, we're getting what we want. Yes, and it is still a big ask of our energy and of our nervous systems. Mm, that identity transition is something I'm really going to have to sit on and think about because it is, I can see the markers through so many different, and even opening this clinic, it was a huge identity transition. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, this is what I wanted. Go, go, plow, be happy. And oh, right. It's just always that just push through this. You're fine. You got what you wanted. And so many shoulds, right? I got what I wanted. I should be feeling this way. I don't have the space to be feeling stressed or anything else. Don't complain. Mm. I think especially for women, right? That idea around like, well, don't be negative. Don't complain. Mm. You're whining about things. Mm -hmm. Like, well, am I or am I saying I can be proud of myself? I can be feeling gratitude and I can be struggling with this. There can be these pressure or tension points that maybe I knew were coming, maybe I didn't expect because this is new for me. And I get to hold both, right? That complexity that we can really have. Those emotional responses that on paper look like they couldn't possibly go together in in a given moment. And it's part of our messy charm that they absolutely do. And we see this all the time with clients too, right? Well, but what's my real feeling? Which one's right? And we go yeah. <laughs> right. Because we're not just in boxes. We are not so clear cut. We're not AI. We, right. This is, it's not a binary choice of it's, you know, zero, one, one, zero. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of it. It's messy and complex. Which I think even comes back to some of that, that pressure or that message about, you know, change and this turning ourselves into projects that know yourself. Mm. Well, knowing myself means saying, can I just go in without a predetermined answer and really just be open-minded and curious. And myself can be consistent, but how I feel, what I need, what I want is meant to change. 
moment to moment and over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting when I think of this work I'm doing here, us being on season five of the podcast, before starting the podcast, this word really stood out for me and it became my intention that year. It was, and that was permission. Mm. And it is always something, and I kind of get hard on myself. I'm like, Tracy, you can't have permission as your intention again this year. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, just to, that, that's my inner mind working there. But it's so interesting because what we're really doing here is peeling back the layers and giving us this big dose of permission to not get caught up in all of the shoulds, the comparisons, to not get caught up in all of the ways where we should be going or showing up or the doings or, you know, trying to understand things so clear cut. It's just, it is what it is. And then I do have permission. I'm not looking to someone else. I'm really looking for I'm giving myself permission to be aligned with what I need. I'm giving myself permission to make space for what I need. And it's interesting if we say like, well, I can't have that as, you know, my intention again. Why not? If it's working. And I think that's a piece of if we're thinking instead of setting that resolution, because also there's something that like gives me an, an ick about that word, like this resolution of I don't know. It feels locked in or claustrophobic for me in somewhere. And there's this idea that I could fail. Rather than if I'm saying, this is my intention that I'm setting for myself at the beginning of a year. I mean, I'm constantly kind of working to more, more ongoing checking with myself. But I already started doing this in a more kind of quarterly set way. I think, well, if I do this for my business, why am I not doing this for myself and for my health? So to be saying, what's my intention? And that's more of a move toward, right? Where do I want to be? And sometimes that's what do I need more of? What do I need less of? Sometimes that is, I'm good. I'm not going to be doing anything different. And if that's giving myself permission to rest or saying permission to just enjoy where we're at, that idea, I mean, I, I mean we hear a lot from especially kind of the diet industry and everything else, this idea of a plateau. It's this bad thing, push through, break it. But if we think, well, I've, I've done this work. If we went on a big hike and we climbed to the top and I said, okay, well, let's go. You might rightly say to me, like, can you just stop? Like, can we, can we sit here? Can we see this view? Can we take a moment and just like, enjoy it? I was like, well, no, there's, that's, doesn't get us anywhere. Let's go. You'd be like, you're a bad hiking partner and we're not going to do this anymore. We are not hiking again together. Let me sit and enjoy the view. And also like something's going on for you. You should take a minute and maybe reflect on that. And (laughs) we, we so often are giving this message or we're seeing, well, you know, this, everybody else is always doing something comparison. Are they? And if mm. they are, is that working for them? That one friend who always says, oh, I've just been so busy. Yeah. What's that about for them? But you don't have to take that to mean anything for you. That we've normalized busyness, exhaustion, fatigue as some kind of badge Mm. of honor or something that we're working towards. There's almost this social media trend where I'm noticing a lot of women talking about, I'm just so burnt out. And like, I understand it, but in some ways I also worry that we're then normalizing the burnout because we want to feel seen and validated. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so important. And also too, and you and I can speak to this in the sense of like back in 2006, when we started our PhDs, people weren't saying they're burnt out. And it was almost taboo. So yes, I love that we're calling this out and talking about it. 
And at the same time, are we getting stuck and recognizing that you actually have agency and choice and you can do something different, which is a big part of kind of sustaining that burnout part too, right? Is if I feel sort of a bit of that, like almost like learned helplessness or, well, Mm. it is what it is and I, I just can't. And when we're exhausted and when we're not resourced properly, it's natural for us to feel like, well, there's nothing I can do. And especially if we're looking for that, what can I do with that kind of that magic quick fix to go from burnout, right? And we can see the same thing when people are experiencing depression, anxiety, any of those really stuck cycles that we see in our offices every day to say, well, no, you're correct. There's not this magic thing to do or the magic thing that we as psychologists can tell someone that's the fix. But there are things you can do to start moving yourself in the direction you want to go. Which is really what we're talking about today. We're talking about values. Okay, let's do a few specific questions here because I know what everybody always wants to know is, well, resolutions. Are they opportunities or are they not? Not to be a typical psychologist, but it depends. I know. And I know it's funny when I was looking at this question, I'm like, we're totally going to say it depends. (laughs) I think they can be opportunities if it is something that is really centering your needs and is intentional and is value-based. If we're saying I've I've made this resolution because seasonally it's a thing we're supposed to do, or you know, it would be awkward if I just answer the question, no, don't don't make them feeling okay if it serves you. There's this other piece too in there where people say I'm going to set boundary, like it just becomes these really big things, and we come back to. I mean, it's an effective strategy for that reason. Smart goals, right? Mm -hmm. Small, measurable, all of those pieces. Let's get really clear on what it is that you're trying to change right now. Instead of making this big goal of, or unrealistic goal, I'm going to work out every day, or I'm focusing on this big, massive thing. Okay, but what does that look like? So if it's a movement-based desire, is it about listening to your body and then moving it when it needs to be moved? Is it 10 minutes a day at lunch so that you're not stuck at your desk? Because we know that is actually really good for you, for your mental health Mm -hmm. and physical health. Yet is it, are you doing this in a way that actually builds you up, gets you feeling good and closer to how you want to be feeling, how you want to be living your life? And is it something that's feasible with your life? So you're not incurring other stress or just choosing something that just simply isn't going to fit. What do we do if we notice our partners are struggling? I love this question from one of the men in my community. And he said, I really want to support my wife Mm -hmm. in looking after herself. How do I do that? And I heard that from people too. And I put that out of, you know, well, how, how do I support or, you know, how do I show up for someone? And I think that's to say, coming back to that idea of boundaries, right? I'm showing up in a way to support my loved one not to do the work for them, not to take that on, not to feel like I need to be dragging them over the finish line or that I need to come up with their smart goals, right? Can I say I'm coming from a place of validation, wanting to understand you know, where they're at, what they're looking for, maybe what things keep them kind of feeling stuck or like they can't approach that goal. But that healthy support, healthy connectedness, right? We're social animals and especially with people we love and we're close to, that makes us better. That feeling like someone's got my back and is in my corner actually gives me a bit of that kind of oomph or 
courage to say, maybe I will take that risk and go after what I want. And that could be taking on a new challenge. That could say, actually trying and seeing a therapist to work on my mental health, right? But I know someone is just, is supporting me and accepting me. And that gives me a bit of that safe launching pad. Mm, I think that is so important when we come into the place of sitting beside our loved ones rather than like pulling them. I think that is such a different approach. And then let's switch that. What if someone wants to create some change in their life, but their partner's not on board? Again, that you, you get to be connected, but not the same person, right? Mm -hmm. When we're thinking that healthy relationship dynamic, your readiness is yours and honor that. And that's not you rejecting them. That's not pulling away. That's saying, hey, ideally, maybe I would love if we were doing this together, but I can also respect maybe that's not priority for you or maybe not something you're wanting to do right now. I'm not putting my own need away. And maybe they go, ooh, this is actually good and want to join in. But I think if nothing else, we're saying I still get to show up. I mean, if we use our partners as examples, we're saying I'm doing the work that I know is important for me. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling better in myself. I'm also able to show up in a more authentic and connected way with my partner and maybe hold less resentment of our pattern or where these kind of behaviors are showing up. I'm saying, hmm, you know, that's, it's not mine to hold. I love that. I think it's so important to practice that differentiation that you can have that awareness around what it is that you need, but it doesn't mean you have to give yourself up. And I think that is so important for a healthy relationship. And you're remembering like, what role do I play in this person's life? And I think, you know, for us as psychologists, I'm sure anyone who's listening, who's a healthcare provider or a parent, sometimes we come to other adults in our life and we're going like, okay, well, what is my role here and in this relationship, right? So if it is with our partners, if it is with adult family members, we're saying, I'm not the one who's saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm the expert here. Not that that's, you know, the way either of us approach our clients anyway, but my job isn't to kind of direct or provide a care plan. My job isn't to jump in and parent somebody. So my job is someone's partner, spouse, friend. So can I kind of stay in my lane? I love that. Stay in my lane, have that separation, and also create that sense of looking after ourselves. Dr. Megan, this has been so cool to sit with you in my office in person. Thank you so much for being here with me at the start season five. There are so many amazing conversations to come. I can't wait to share what is coming next. But before all of that, tell me where can people find you and connect with you? People can connect and find me through our practice website at integratedottawa.ca. I am also on Instagram at Dr. Megan Gallagher. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Megan. Thank you, Dr. Tracy. And happy new year. Happy new year to you too. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you found this conversation helpful, please share it with someone who might benefit from it. Click the five stars or leave a review. I read all of the reviews and be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know when a new episode drops. Did you know? I answer your questions here on the podcast. 
You can submit your questions to me by completing the form on my website, drtracyd.com forward slash podcast. I love getting your questions and being able to deep dive into them here. And if you haven't yet, and you are looking for something to be different in how you show up in your relationships, I invite you to check out my newest resources. I have my 100 questions to deepen your connection, as well as my 10 scripts on how to respond the next time someone you love is defensive. And of course, be sure to grab your copy of my book, I Didn't Sign Up For This. It's available anywhere you get your books, including Kindle and Audible. I teach you how to build a healthy, interdependent relationship through the stories of everyday couples in my office. And I also include my own story. All right, until next time, take good care of you and I'll see you next week. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.